0: Man, oh man, what a fun time we're having already today, huh? So, despite what Rachel said, I'm not answering every question in the universe today. That would, God would have to freeze time. Uh, I guess I could just cheat and say Jesus is the answer for everything, and then walk off the stage, and we could go home, huh? Every question. Hey, we've had a lot of fun with this series, huh? Huh? answered a lot of questions, hit some really cool topics. Hey, if you've missed any of the weeks of this series, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them on the podcast or uh, check out our video archive and watch the video of the service uh, if you want to, and either refresh or catch some of these things for the first time. We covered a lot of great topics um, that don't get covered a lot in, in church world uh, and answered a lot of questions. Today, I'm going to attempt to answer as many of questions as I possibly can, we had a lot of questions come in that have not been answered or addressed yet, so we're going to do our best to kind of shotgun approach this message and answer as many questions as we can, so in a service like this, as we're answering questions, you know, there's not your typical, like, sermon rhythm, you know, from a preacher setting up a point or delivering or all that, it's just answering. Question after question, and the tendency is, if you're not interested in the question, to tune out. Let me challenge you not to tune out today, okay? Look at the person next to you and say, don't tune out. Don't tune out today if we're answering a question that's not your thing. Could be that you might need the answer information for this thing to answer it for somebody that you're going to come across in your life later. So let this be a great time of equipping as we answer these things. i got to be honest with you, I'm looking forward to next week. I love family Sundays here at this church. They are fun. They are fun. We turn the kids loose and and let them minister, and we uh, adjust Pastor Jeremy's medicine so he can have a little more fun in service too. So family Sundays are great days. I'm I'm picking on Pastor Jeremy. They're they're great Sundays, though. And the cookout after service, don't miss that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. Um, Great hamburgers. We might have a hot dog eating contest to see who can win. Not really. That would just be, I don't want to do that to you. You ever see those contests on TV where they see how many hot dogs that people can eat? Why? Why? I don't know. There's so many other things that would taste so much better. Let's see how much steak a person could eat. That I get down for. Hot dogs? Uh, um, But next week's going to be a great week, so don't miss that. It's going to be a great opportunity to invite people, to invite some families um, that might not feel comfortable coming to a church in any other setting, but Family Sunday is a great family-geared message. Um, shorter service. Nothing wrong with a shorter service, huh? Uh, shorter service, usually we're going to have fun after, so be a great opportunity to bring some people that maybe you've been thinking about inviting. Um, why, why do y'all do Family Sundays, Pastor Josh? Because we believe in investing in the next generation, and we believe that it's important for our children to see how we worship and to be involved in services that like we're going to have next week so that there is no gap that we have to bridge later on in life with their walk with God. It's all part of laying the foundation and preparing them for ministry. So to us, it's very important, and we love those things, and that's kind of a synopsis of why we do it. So looking forward to that. Make sure you don't miss it. Uh, if you weren't planning on being here, plan on being here. It's going to be a great, fun service. So, y'all ready to dive into these questions today? Man, God's been moving and worship went longer than usual. So, we're, I'm going to look at the time here. We'll just run through and answer as many of these as we possibly can. So, all right, we're going to do this. Y'all going to help me this morning? We're going to start with an easy one today. We're going to start with a softball kind of question. What is your opinion on the COVID vaccine? Yes, somebody actually sent that one in. Thought that would be a good one to answer. Does anybody want to answer this, by the way, for me? You know what I bet? I bet you for every person that we let up here to answer this, we would get something different because this is an incredibly opinionated topic. And I'll say it is a very opinionated topic. What I'm going to give you is my opinion on this. Okay, if my opinion is different from your opinion, don't hate me. You know why? Because I don't hate you, and your opinion might be different than mine on this. Anything else? Um, and and this is something I think it's important for us to remember on topics like this that are very politicized and over-covered in the mainstream media. Um, you can hop on YouTube and probably see, just in a few seconds worth of search, you can probably pull up 30 or 40 videos that are going to give you all kinds of conspiracies and theories and maybe some facts or not facts, pro this, con that, you know, it's just everywhere. It's, it's a highly opinionated topic. And that's why I would encourage everyone, this is my opinion, this is what I do, I take a step back from it and I see it for what it is, okay? This is not a heaven or hell issue in life. It's not a heaven or hell issue in life. Um, now, you might have a difference of opinion me on this, but at the end of the day, if it's not going against the Bible, and it's not taking you to hell, you can have your opinion, okay? When our opinion goes in contradiction to the word of God, that's where we got a problem. If you were to say, Pastor Josh, I believe that cold-blooded murder is not a sin, and I think I can kill anybody that I want to. I say, well, you're probably wrong, because the Bible does talk about not Committing murder, and you're breaking a whole lot of other laws too. So maybe you can help us start a prison ministry when you get <laughs> saved again and, and all that. Um, but your your difference of opinion would be in contradiction to the Word of God, and that's where I'd have to draw a line and say, "Hey, you know what? That's out of bounds. You need to bring it back in and line up with the Word of God." Because it's not opinion anymore; it's walking in contradiction to God's Word. God's Word is the ultimate authority in our life. Amen. All right, did I set it up good enough already? Yeah. All right, listen, um, it's an opinion thing. So, to me, I see it as what it is. I don't really get caught up in things like this personally. You're asking for my opinion on it. Um, how many people like to eat? Raise your hand this morning if you like to. You guys watching online at home, raise your hand if you like to eat. Hey, don't forget to. Like and share the, the live stream while you're thinking about all the food that you could be getting from the kitchen right now. When you go get some food while you're thinking about it, then like and share and then come back. Listen to the message. Um, some people eat anything that they want to. Any food, any kind of food eaters. And that's your, your diet that you choose, any food that you want. Some people are more health conscious about what they eat. Um, and especially this time of year where we're all in that last-ditch effort to try to get that bathing suit body before summer officially hits. We got any, we got any people trying to push through on that one? We get special diets getting ready for the, the season. What kind of diet? You know, I'm on the diet where I just take a piece of ice and I touch it to my tongue twice a day, and that's the diet. I just, that's all I eat trying to get ready. People do crazy stuff. So you might be more conscious about what you eat because of that reason, and that's a personal choice. Because of your personal goal, okay, um, some people have very restricted diets like you if you 're uh, a diabetic, the diet that you have is tailored towards your um, your health condition so that you don't spike or tank your blood sugars. Uh, if you have a heart condition, then you're eating a heart friendly diet because of that. Um, you're choosing what you eat as a personal choice because of a decision that you're making personally for yourself because of how the food affects your health and the way your body reacts to it. Um, there's people that love meat, people that eat low carb, people that do intermittent fasting. There are people that are vegans, okay? Straight veggies all the way and nothing else, no dairy, just that kind of stuff, and that's cool. Listen, I don't look at somebody weird because they're eating differently because they have a heart condition. I don't look at people weird because they're eating differently because they have a a diabetic condition that they're trying to address in their life, okay? Do you guys look at people in a weird, judgy kind of way because they eat something different from you? No, maybe the vegans in the house, but those are the only people, right, that would judge somebody because I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Having fun with you. But you wouldn't do that. Okay, this is what I can, this is how I associate this vaccine. It's a personal choice based on your body and what you're wanting to put into it or not put into it. You may, if you, if you have poor health and you're more susceptible to this disease, this virus, it might be smart for you to get the vaccine as a preventative. Nothing wrong with that. You may be in perfect health. And you might say, I don't want that for my body. There's nothing wrong with that because, really, you might not need it because you're in really good health. Uh, I think it's a personal choice. And whatever you choose to do with it is between you and God. It's not a heaven or hell issue. I think it could be a potentially very divisive issue if we build a kingdom on our own opinions on the topic. But just let it stay where it is, and let's just focus on Reaching people for Jesus and not getting caught up with the distractions. Well, what if the what if there's a chip in the in the shot, Pastor Josh? I saw on YouTube where there might be a microchip in there. Then get a magnifying glass or a microscope and see if there's really a microchip in there. Well, I don't try. Then don't get it, but don't speak ill of someone that does because of a health condition. You know what I mean? Um, well, I heard. That they could be putting them. Look, I, I can tell you this. The mark of the beast is not in this vaccine, okay? Bible's pretty specific on where the mark of the beast is going to go. Right hand or forehead. If the, I guess if they try to give you a shot, like, in your right hand or your forehead, maybe that would be a red flag. Usually it goes in the shoulder or, you know, the, the hind haunches or whatever else, you know. It's just So... So that, to me, kind of nullifies that. Don't Listen, don't get caught up in the hype is what I'm saying. Learn how to divorce yourself from pop culture. Learn how to divorce yourself from especially political talking points and politicized issues. And anything that's politicized, I usually stay away from and try to common sense my way through it instead of trusting what somebody from Washington is advising me to do in my own personal life. No, people in Washington, your job is to kind of oversee govern some affairs of the country and provide for the defense of the nation and you can just stay out of my own personal business and I'll choose to do what I want to do um, and and that's how it should be so so that's 50 cents worth in my opinion for what it's worth so second question Hey, if you, if you want to talk about it more let's get some coffee and hang out and talk about it um, and I'd love to discuss it with you on a personal level but you're going to get the same thing I just said I just really I'm more concerned with reaching people for Jesus than what's playing on Fox News or CNN or anything like that. You know, it's just, God gave us a brain, and we can use the brain to decide what's best for ourselves. And as long as it's lining up with the Word of God, it's inbounds, let's go do it. You know what I mean? Um, or, you know, there you go. All right, second question. I don't understand how the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. You know, that used to be a thing with me. I used to wonder how that could all happen. Like, how can God be one person and three people all at the same time? Is he like Voltron, where all the lions come together, or like some weird transformer? Or like, how, like, that's how I used to equate it and think my way through it, you know, and, and God gave me some wisdom from some great people on how to land on solid ground. I think um, the first step in understanding this, and this is a great question, by the way. This is a sign of someone who's thinking through what the Bible says, and you should do that. You should think it through, and you should own the Word of God for yourself and not just take things at face value because someone like me says it's so. Decide for yourself. Read the Word of God for yourself, okay? Um, So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how are they one? Well, one of the most commonly used words for God in especially the Old Testament um, and some in the New is a word called Elohim. Uh, In the book of Genesis, when God was creating the, the universe and creating the earth and everything that you see, um, the word Elohim is used to describe God. And it's a plural word. It's plural in nature. It means God, but gods at the same time. And the picture is that it's a God in concert with himself, um, one God who manifests himself in three distinct personalities, but one God in concert mutually submissive and flowing, perfect harmony within himself. And when somebody told me that, I said, well, that sounds great, but what about the three-in-one thing? That's still a little bit confusing to me. In Thessalonians, you know, it talks about how we're created in the image of God. In Thessalonians, it says that we are, we're a person, but we have a body, a soul, and a spirit created in the image of God. I'm one me, but I have three very distinct parts that make up who I am. I have my body, and I don't understand why God made me short like this, but he did. So I always joke and say, when I get to heaven and I get my heavenly body, I'm going to be six foot 4 I'm going to be about 5% body fat, and you better watch out when I'm walking down the street, Jack. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I'm, I've got me. It's my body. I have my soul, which is where your mind, your will, your emotions are, that soul part of you, and then you have your spirit. That's the part of you that's going to live forever. Body's going to pass away, but the rest of the stuff is going to live forever. Translate over into eternity. So one person made of three parts created in the image of God because he's one God with three distinct personalities that make up who he is. He chooses to manifest himself to us. And, um, another way to think about this, is this, and this is what sealed the deal for me and made it very easy for me to understand, is you think about H2O. Um, It's a great illustration. I've got H2O in this bottle. Now, you're going to say, no, there's water, and I'm going to say the water boy was right. This is H2O. It's H2O, okay? So, this is H2O in liquid form. Chemical compositions, H2O. If it freezes, it becomes a solid, but it's still H2O. If you heat it, it becomes a gas, it becomes steam, and it's going to fly on up, but it's still H2O. The composition of what it is doesn't change, but the form that it takes does change, okay? And this was the easiest way for me to connect the dots when it comes to God. How can he be the same God but still manifest himself? Well, he's H2O, okay? He can be God the Father and be that solid block, he can be God the Son and be that living water. He can be God the Holy Spirit and be that vapor at the same time. H2O never changes. God never changes. He's still the same, but he presents and manifests himself in three distinct and different ways, but he's still consistently one same God. Okay? So I hope that helps you. Again, if it doesn't, hit me up for some coffee. I like to drink coffee, so I want to keep fishing. Maybe somebody will take me for coffee before this is over with. Take me me for barbecue. (laughs) Take me for barbecue or steak or whatever. Um, The next question that came up these are all great questions that came in, by the way, and uh, I wish we had time to do a service on each one of them because we could. Uh, Is it possible for a regular person, someone who's not a saint or pastor, to be holy? If so, how? I love that. I used to wonder the same thing though. Cuz like you see, you'd see people in church and it was like you wondered if they went home and even slept or if they just went home and just basked in the presence of God all night and started the day refreshed. You know if they didn't do human tasks. Like I don't eat, I fast all the time and God supplies nourishment to my body through his spirit and I just float everywhere I go. Like these people that seem so close to God, it's like unattainable. And I get that. This is I how can a, an average person, I love that, I love that phrasing, we're all average people serving an above average God, that through him makes us above average people, I guess, and what I'm saying is there's no difference between any of us, we all have access to the same God, we all have access to the same Bible, we have all, all have access to the same potential of depth in our relationship with God, and Uh, yeah, you can achieve holiness. I wanted to spend some time looking at this, though, and give you some scripture to look at. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I guess we better find a way to be holy or we're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Because without holiness, you don't get to see the Lord. How many of you just felt a whole lot of pressure get put on you? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get a tune-up on my walk with God or I'm gonna be in trouble. Let me explain to you what this means. Would God ask us to do something that we could not do through him? No. No, he, he doesn't set the bar so high that we can't reach it. Absolutely not. And in Christ, we can do all of this stuff. It says, make every effort to live in peace and and to be holy. So, holiness... Happens in part because of an effort from us. So there's an act there. Um, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll go a little bit deeper in this. I'm setting something up. It says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that can have, contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Perfecting holiness. So we're to make effort for holiness and to... to to live in a way that's trying to perfect holiness in our lives. Meaning that it's something that we work on constantly. It's something that we're practicing. It's something that we're perfecting. Positionally in Christ, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, okay, we are made righteous before God. Okay, Not only are we made righteous, but in God's sight we are whole and complete. We are holy in his sight because our sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus. So positionally, it's there. Now, day to day, living out our lives, perfecting our ability to attain that holiness is is a different thing. I equate it like this. If, If a young boy was born into royalty and positionally was a king at a young age, positionally, he's a king. All rights, all authority, all privileges. But as a young boy, he would still have to learn how to act like a king should act. He had to be trained in how to reason and think through complex situations and problems like a king would. There would be a development process for that child to grow into the position of authority that he already has. That's how it works in your relationship with Jesus. In Christ, we're righteous. In Christ, we're whole. In Christ, we're justified. In Christ, we're covered by grace and by his blood. And we are holy through him. Not on our own, but because of what he did on the cross. So positionally, we had that. But there is still a process of growth and working that out and perfecting it as we grow and mature in our walk with God. Does that make sense? Same thing. So positionally, we got it, um, and we grow into it also as we live our lives trying to perfect it. It's not so much an act of discipline as it is an overflow of your relationship with Jesus. The closer you get to God, the more he changes you from the inside out, and this is how it's done. Okay? Now, you can try to discipline your way through this, but you're going to be very frustrated and probably become very legalistic. in in your outlook, in your relationship with God. You get closer to Jesus. You allow him to change you from the inside out. And as he changes you and your desires change because you are becoming more like him, holiness develops in your life as a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus because you want things that you didn't want, and you lose the desire for the things that aren't good for you spiritually because you're getting closer to God. Okay? Not because the church says you have to watch certain things or listen to certain things or behave a certain way. No, it's an overgrowth or an overflow of your um, spiritual walk with Jesus. Okay, So it makes sense? So, yeah, you can be holy, and that's how you do it. You walk it out one day at a time. Positionally, trusting that Jesus did what Jesus did, but at the same time growing into it and maturing as you draw closer to Jesus in your relationship with him. So I hope that satisfies you. If not, take me out for coffee or take Pastor Jeremy out for barbecue, <laughs> however it works. Um, next one. How can a husband be the head of the household when the wife is a strong leader and controlling? We're going to take a five-minute break and then come back um, in. Get, I, get I get this question a lot. Listen, my wife, Kelly, um, very strong personality she's a very strong leader um and when i met her she liked to be in control of situations uh just as any smart intelligent person would want to do you know she liked to plan out aspects of her life and so we had to go through this process in our in our relationship and i had to learn a lot of things it wasn't just all on her to submit woman you better submit do what the bible says i'm the head of the house no listen Submission is given through permission from the lady in the home. Okay? Um, you can't just walk in as a man and stand on bare scriptural truth and expect to be operating in wisdom in this. There's another person at play, and you need to court her in the home and show her that she can trust you with that permission as she submits to your headship. Not just in a positional way, but in a real way. Because it's one thing to say, well, you're the boss and you're in charge, but you all have a boss at work or some leader that you've sat under, and you know what, positionally, they're in charge, but when it comes down to how much you really trust them, trust is earned by action. Okay, so gentlemen, let me give you some advice if this is the deal. Even if you have a very strong-willed woman and a and controlling woman, first thing, sit down and have a conversation with her and open up the Word of God. Okay, if you're married, this doesn't work in dating situations, all right? If you're married, sit down and say, Hey, look, this is what the Bible says. I want to be able to operate in this capacity. Not because I want to be in charge of everything, but the Bible says it, and I know I'm not perfect, and I know I might make a mistake or two, but if you will let me and if you will be patient with me, I want to grow into this in our relationship and in our house. And ask for permission to be able to do it. A lot of times if you ask, a lot of things go a lot better than if you just demand. Okay, so go in and, and, and say this. And listen, it doesn't mean that you are the Lord supreme of the home. Marriage is a teamwork thing. Okay, if you look at the Bible, marriage is a mutual submission between two people. Okay, if your motivation is just to grab control in the home, you need to check yourself, sir, and back up and read what the Bible says. The weight of responsibility rests on your shoulders, but your wife has a powerful part to play in what's said and done in the home. You're a fool if you don't listen to her. Um, But that trust is earned by earning that trust. Okay, so if you go to your wife and you expect her to be mommy to you all the time, just like she is to the kids, then don't be fool enough to think that she's going to respect you at the level of being the head of the home when she's trying to raise a man-child in the house. Okay? So conduct yourself in such a way as to earn that respect and to earn that trust. And then over time, through permission, she will learn to trust you in that capacity as you serve together and serve each other in the marriage. A lot of times, strong-willed and controlling melts when a husband approaches in humility and serves, and sort of like Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. When a husband will show that he will give himself sacrificially to the point of death for his wife and wants nothing but the best for her. She will trust a man like that. Okay? God knows what he's doing. If you will love her like that and serve her like that, the submission thing will take care of itself. But you probably don't have to have a conversation and give each other permission to grow into that. And if that's not working for you, and all joking aside... Hey, set up an appointment with me. I would love to talk you through it and walk you through it. I do that with a lot of married couples, especially early on in the marriage because power struggles and and, and defining roles is a very big issue because you're coming into a relationship having operated in a very different way up until that point in life. And so sometimes it helps to have someone walk you through that, more than willing to do that. Only charge $650 an hour. To do that or a cup of coffee, and it'll be, no, nah, I'm kidding. No, nah, I'll gladly do that. Uh, you got a church here that believes in you, believes in your marriage, and we want you to be successful in that relationship. So, whatever we can do, uh, we'll, we'll definitely help you out. Um, whew, this is a good one. Regarding Mary and Joseph, what happened to Joseph? You ever wondered about that? Like he just disappeared. You know, did, did he did he tick off the Jerusalem mafia or something, and they just had him whacked? Like, what happened to Joseph? So, um, we don't know specifically what happened to Joseph. We do know this. He probably died somewhere in the unknown years of Jesus' life, between 12 and 30, those 18 years where we don't know much. We do know he was there when Jesus was 12, but he's not there on the backside of it. Um, We do know more than likely he was dead when Jesus was crucified because when Jesus was on the cross as the firstborn child of that family, um, he took the responsibility of making sure that Mary was taken care of. He wouldn't have had to have done that if Joseph was still alive. So... And you see Jesus taking that, that, that responsibility and making sure that his mom, his widow, mother was taken care of. That was customary in the day. So he died somewhere along the way there. How? We don't know. Um, what happened there, well, we don't really know. But we do know that he at least before Jesus was crucified, he wasn't with, with them anymore. He had passed away. Um, are there different levels of sin or are all sins the same in God's eyes? Dun 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 dun. Um, let me common sense my way through this and keep it simple, because we could spend a whole Sunday on this. Just to be honest with you, um, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for how many sins? Okay. So I'll put that under the blanket of Jesus dying on the cross. Sin is just sin. Sin, and its true meaning, is an archery term, and it means to miss the mark. You just missed the bullseye, falling short. Like that scripture says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark and come up short of the glory of God. Um, Sin, sin. There's only one place, really, that sins, um, like there's a dividing line that divides a type of sin from other sin, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's the one sin that Jesus called the unpardonable sin. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? If it's unpardonable, I sure would want to know what that is, right? Um, Problem is, we don't really know what that is. We do know what blasphemy means. Blasphemy means to ascribe something evil to that which is good. That's what blasphemy means. So in basic terms, then, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit could be as simple as ascribing something evil to the goodness of the Holy Spirit, in motive or in whatever. Um, I personally just tend to stay away from all negative comments or thoughts regarding the Holy Spirit, not in fear, but there's no direct answer. Now there's a lot of teaching on what it could be. there's a lot of conversation out there on what it might be. Uh, it could be. You know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is complete and total rejection of the Holy Spirit and his regenerative work in your life. So you turn your back on him and walk away from God. And that, in a way, could be it. And by walking away, you put yourself in a place where your sin is unforgivable and unpardonable because your heart has turned a complete 180 from God. Maybe. Maybe. But that's, that's really where you only see a dividing line between sin. So blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, bad. Bad, 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 bad. Don't do that. The rest of it covered under the blood of Jesus. So I hope that answers that question. That's a good one, though. I would want to know. But I think if you steal a car or if you root for Alabama, either way, that's still a sin in the eyes of God. And then it better be under, under the blood of Jesus. Um, Do you have to be a prophet to prophesy? What's the difference between prophecy and a word of knowledge? Woo! My, 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 my. Is it okay if I bust a spiritual pride bubble this morning in the church? Okay? Now, there is um, the spiritual office of responsibility of prophet, pastor, prophet, and all that stuff um, in the church, teachers, evangelists, all that thing. But can you give a prophecy and not be a prophet uh the short answer is yeah yeah you can absolutely you can first uh, corinthians 12 um, we'll start a conversation on the gifts of the holy spirit so now about the gifts of the spirit brothers and sisters do not want you to be uninformed I'm we'll skip down to verse 7. It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To who is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit given for the common good? To each one. Every one of us has the same opportunity to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, there potentially is Um, the ability to operate in any of these gifts of the Spirit that we are about to um, read through. It says, to one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit or a word of knowledge, depending on the translation that you have. Uh, To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy there it is listed as a gift of the Holy Spirit to another distinguishing between spirits or discernment Uh, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues still another the interpretation of tongues all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines so if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit potentially you could operate in any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit listen There is no spiritual VIP in the kingdom of God that has a corner on healing or prophecy or words of knowledge or some mystic spiritual operation. If you see someone trying to walk around with that mantle, just know, false prophet, God's not in the house, stay away from that because you're going to be missing your wallet pretty quick, usually. That's what they're all about is the money, okay? Now... Anybody, and I'll say this again, anybody can operate in any gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says, as the Spirit determines, okay? So the, uh, the deciding factor is our willingness to be submissive and obedient to the leading of the Spirit as He determines to operate in and through us in a certain way. And I think a lot of the times we don't see a manifestation of these gifts because people aren't sensitive to the prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit because we're jaded because our spirits are just full of junk. And to get rid of the junk and get close to God so we can hear his voice, hear his spirits prompting and leading. That's not the question. The question is, can you prophesy and not be a prophet? Yeah. Yeah, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between a prophecy and a word of knowledge? Prophecy, they're very similar, okay? And, and word of knowledge is pretty similar to a word of wisdom, Um they have similar traits, but they're very distinct and different. Prophecy is more like a a warning given directly from God through a person. Uh, it could be a word of encouragement to let you know you're on the right track. God speaking prophetically through someone directly to an individual or a body of believers. Um, it could be good news or bad news. Hopefully it's good news. A lot of times when... We are, you know, we're in worship, and uh, God's presence is really strong. Sometimes we have a message in tongues and an interpretation of what that message is. Gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Sometimes you don't have that, and someone will just begin to speak and edify the body and speak directly from God, to them. That's a word of prophecy. That would be the difference. Now, a word of knowledge is specific information given supernaturally by God that there is no other way you could possibly know it other than it be given by him. And that could be regarding a situation and like a solution and how to approach it. That's where it's very similar to a word of wisdom. Wisdom is how to apply knowledge. Knowledge is getting the stuff to be able to apply it. So a word of knowledge is getting that information. Um, Another thing that you see happen with a word of knowledge is God will tell you something very specific about another person's life. And sometimes he gives you that so that you can use it in conversation just so their mind goes. Because it's one thing for me to walk up to Joe Click and say, hey, Joe Click, God loves you. It's a completely different ball game for me to say, hey, Joe Click, God loves you. And when you did ABC and XYZ this morning, God was looking. And you've been thinking this and struggling with this or with anybody else. Um, works the same way. Intimate knowledge, there's no other way you could have it except God gives it to you. That would be a word of knowledge to be used. A lot of times God will give you a word of knowledge and it's not to share with somebody. It's to sit on it and to pray over it. There's a lot of times it would freak you guys out for me to sit down and walk up to you and tell tell you the stuff that God has shown me about you. But he's restrained me. Sometimes... I can go share it. Sometimes he restrains me, and I'm just to sit and pray on it as you walk through whatever season of life it is. So that's the difference uh, between the two. So hopefully that answers that question. How much time we got? Oh, so close, so close. Um, I'm going to skip down to—actually, let me do it. Faith without works is dead. In quotation. So how do we apply this waiting for the one if we don't get out and actively search? Got to put that faith to work, right, in relationships? As a young adult's pastor, I heard this so much. I heard this so many times. There's nothing wrong with putting your faith to work. Here's what I would encourage you to do. I know what this question is. Do I just sit around and wait for God to bring them into my life? Because I'm not putting my faith to work, I need to get out there and work it. So um, I don't know that that's the best strategy. You have to ask yourself, okay, what's the core motivation? Okay, what's motivating you to do this? Is it you're seeking emotional fulfillment or companionship to fill a a loneliness void in your life? Or are you like out there with a bow and arrow being Cupid hunting for the one for you, you know? Did God prompt you to pursue a person? That's dangerous because a lot of times your emotions will lie to you. Whoo! Man, they will lie to you. And you'll think they're the one and they ain't nowhere near being the one, you know? Um, I always give people this advice. I'll real quickly say it. And hopefully, you know, whoever wrote this, I think your motives are pretty sincere. Apply this and it's gonna save you a lot of heartache. All right, listen, would you rather have... 15 or 20 bad relationships that tore you up before you finally found the one? Or would you rather just have no previous relationships or maybe two or three test runs that got, cut off, that got cut off and you were able to protect your heart and keep yourself from being emotionally destroyed so that you could give a whole heart to that person later on in life? Most people would choose the latter instead of the former. Um, My advice to you is this, stay in God's will, okay? I know that sounds churchy, but if you stay in God's will today, then you'll start tomorrow in God's will, okay? And you can live out tomorrow in God's will, and the next day will end and begin in God's will. If you stay in God's will, God has a way of working things out so that if you move in step with him the way he wants He brings what you need into your life at the right time. We go looking for the right thing at the wrong time and it messes stuff up. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. I want God's perfect timing in my life. He knows I don't have to fret or worry. I just have to make sure that I'm close to him and doing what he wants me to do and the rest will take care of itself. And you're putting your faith to work and doing what God wants you to do and trusting him to bring what he wants you to have into your life. Let me say that again. What he wants you to have in your life at the right time. So we've got to make sure our wants and desires are submissive to the overall will of God for our lives. And we're not trying to build our lives to reflect what society says we're supposed to have. Sometimes two completely different things. So focus on that, and you'll land on good ground. Um, Wow, this is a major, major, major question. Marvel or DC, which is better? Man, we had to amend this question this morning because we almost had a church split over it. had to fix it. Marvel or DC, which is better? My opinion, Marvel all day long, all day long. Uh, but you might dis- you might disagree with me, and that's okay. You're in the right place. You can get your heart right with God, and everything will be fine. DC Comics, I just mm, Lord Jesus, no Marvel, much better. If you disagree with me, talk to Pastor Jeremy, and uh, and it'll it'll work it out. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy's a big Batman, Superman kind of guy. Um, and I, I remember those days, too. Then I grew past that and started liking Marvel. But um, uh, uh, Next one is sex outside of marriage really a sin. This is an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything sexually outside the confines of marriage as defined by God. When I say as defined by God, like marriage between one man, one mo- woman, married together, like to each other. Anything's legal there outside of that? Well, that doesn't seem... I didn't make the rules. God made the rules. You want me to give you a list of sexually transmitted diseases and you want to go roll the dice out there with somebody you barely know? Yeah. Some things they don't make ointment for. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. So, yeah, marriage, sex outside of marriage, really a sin, yeah. Um... Yeah, we're running out of time. I've got a few more to go, but I'm not going to uh, going to dive into those for the sake of time. Some of these are good ones. Yeah, for the next time. For the next time. See, we do this every time, Pastor Jeremy, and I think we never are able to answer all of these questions, and so we think about doing a bonus podcast later to answer some of. The- if we did something like that, would y'all listen to it? Okay, well, maybe we'll do that this time, and we'll do a bonus podcast and answer the rest of these, uh, because they're really good questions. So did y'all enjoy the questions and answers? Yeah, good stuff, informative? Hope so. Hope it was clear and concise. Um, Again, any questions on anything, feel free to hit me up. Hit any of the staff up. uh, Set up a meeting. We'll talk and explain it. Uh, We're here to help you understand the Bible. We're here to help you in your walk with God. Shouldn't be a mystery to it. God set things up to be simple. And uh, we want to set you up for success in what you're doing. We believe in you. We believe in your potential in the kingdom of God and God's call on your life. My job as a pastor is to equip you to do the works of service in the church and the ministry. And I take that very seriously. So anytime you got any questions or need any help, just know your pastor's here for you. Your church is here for you. We love you. Let's all stand this morning as we get ready to close. You guys watching online, thank you for hanging out with us. Um, We just had a powerful time today. God's moving, praying for people. Worship was phenomenal. I'm telling you, again, worship team, thank you again for taking us deep into the presence of God today. Um, Answer some great questions. We get to come back next week for a fun family Sunday. It's going to be awesome. I love what God is doing in this church. I love what he's doing. Before I pray and we get ready to close, can we just give God a big shout of praise for what he's done today? Can we do that?